Why do you have resistance to climbing your polyvagal ladder and accessing your safety state? Why is it that being in a defensive state seems like it's what your body wants? Hi, my name is Justin Sinceri. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist helping you to understand the polyvagal theory clearly and apply it to your traumatized state so you can finally get the relief that you deserve and need. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken. This podcast is, of course, not therapy, nor is it intended to be a replacement for therapy. I got this from, we'll call her Diana. This is through email. And she says, hi, Justin, I really enjoy your podcast and appreciate all of the work and effort you've put making this information more readily available. I am actually an LPC and have lightly introduced some clients to the concepts. Lovely to hear from you, Diana, from a fellow therapeer. I'm glad that this has been useful for you and uh, your, and your client work. All right, so she goes on to say, I'm going to break this into three different topics here. Topic number one is, or in topic number one, she goes on to say, anyway, in my own personal work, a question has come up for me. As background, I've got some childhood trauma and lived much of my life down the ladder, either in fight or flight or more in shutdown. A little before grad school and through grad school, I did a lot of my own work and feel like I moved into feeling more consistently in a safe and social state, rather than primarily in one of the lower two. However, after receiving a, after recently having a third child and dealing with lots of stressors, I have entered into a pretty depressive place. So that's where I kind of want to break this up first. There's more, but this is the first part here. And that is that our polyvagal state gets challenged throughout our life. Our state is very much, obviously, hopefully, obviously, our polyvagal state is very much context dependent. It really depends on the context of not only our immediate environment. So yeah, it's dependent on the environment, the literal safety or danger of the environment, but also the more passive safety or danger cues of the environment. Like right now, actually, I don't know if you can hear it, but I have a the heater going on in the house that uh, provides this like low, dull hum, kind of not really a hum. It's more of a, I'm not sure the word for it, but it's kind of always there in the background while the heater is on. I would just turn off and I could feel the difference. So while it's on, there's, for me, a little more sympathetic kind of energy to it that just kind of underlies everything I do. And then once it turns off, like right now, I notice that when it turns off and there's silence, that I feel a little bit of that flight fight energy that's in my system. And I can feel it kind of ease uh, once the sound is off. Same thing, I, we have this, um, you know, that, like the range hood over a stove. And when we cook, my wife turns it on. I hate cooking, by the way. My wife turns it on. And then it just becomes kind of the part of the background noise. And then while we're eating dinner and afterwards while we're cleaning up, it's still there. Like we kind of, lo- we don't consciously notice it, but it's there in the background. And it's, I, for me, I notice it more. And I notice that I, my body really reacts because it's this constant dull noise in the background that puts me in like a little bit of a flight fight kind of flavor. And when I turn it off, I notice that like, just like a little bit more of ease. So yeah, our state is very much dependent on our immediate literal environment, even the passive cues. Our state is very much dependent upon the literal safety of the people in our lives. If we're around toxic people, um, that sounds judgmental, but if we're around people that are have a negative influence on us, let's say that, uh, or, have, or are stuck in their own defensive state, that's going to rub off on us. So our state depends on the people in our lives as well. All these things are going to affect, uh, affect us, but also uh, family um, culture, larger culture. It's going to depend on larger social factors. All these things are going to come into play when it comes to our polyvagal state. 
So having less access to your safety state is normal and okay, depending on the context that you live in. And that could be a whole bunch of different things. Part of that is that as we hopefully, you know, as, as we age and gain new responsibilities and uh, maturity and connections in life, that as we're meeting these new life obstacles and challenges, that these will affect our safety state. These will affect our capacity to be in our safety state. Even things that are not obviously dangerous, I mean. So these things that are supposed to be, you know, positive growth points, like maybe getting married or having kids or getting a new job or maybe quitting the right job that you need to quit or maybe divorcing the person you need to divorce or leaving that friendship, whatever it is. Maybe even putting in healthier boundaries between you and whoever needs it. So all these things that are growth points and successes, right? These are not obviously dangerous, but they can activate your polyvagal state of one of your defensive states. For me, uh, one of my growth points has been uh, all this business stuff, trying to sell my courses. I had hired a coach a while back to help me through some of the stuff that was coming up for me around money. Money is a, uh, generally we want money. We want to spend money. It provides greater access to things. It can provide a more comfortable lifestyle, right? But for a lot of us, money actually doesn't equal that. Uh, I was raised in a family where we didn't have a lot of money. And so thinking bigger, thinking in terms of making more money or accomplishing more is a, it was and kind of still is, but definitely was a much bigger challenge for me. So even something like that can activate our safe, our, our defensive state and keep us from moving forward and growing where we need to grow or where we want to grow. So yeah, having a third child, uh, yeah, I had, or I didn't have it, but we had our second child and I guess I was a part of it. We had our second child here and when we had the first one and definitely when we had the second one, there are challenges that come along with that. And although it's beautiful and wonderful, there is absolutely a challenge to our capacity or to my capacity to access my safety state. With these new challenges and milestones in life comes um, less access to our safety state because we don't have a map for it yet. We don't we haven't navigated it yet. Over time, hopefully, as we're more more successful, then the safety state can develop um, as we grow through these challenges. But in my opinion, we should be challenging the capacity of our safety state throughout life. I don't think we should be waiting until things are comfortable. I don't think that we need should be waiting until things are perfectly ready to take that next step of where you want to go. It, it's going to be challenging. The fact that it's challenging means that you're you might be on the right path. If it's super comfortable and easy, there's not necessarily. I don't think you're going to grow from that. So waiting until things are right, um, I don't know if that exists. I think the fact that things are difficult, or at least feel difficult, that's actually a potentially a good si sign depending on what it is. I don't, I don't know, you know, in, in your life in particular, but that could be a good thing. So I think that when it comes to growth and that, that necessarily will bring a challenge to our polyvagal uh, anchoring and safety challenge builds the strength of the safety pathways that builds our capacity to, uh, to, to handle distress while still while stay, staying anchored in our safety state defensive activation comes and that's okay because it's new it's different having a third child getting a new job breaking up with someone that needs to be broken up with there's going to be defensive state activation that comes along with that and that's okay 
So can we stay anchored in safety while doing that? And that's going to help exercise and build the strength of our vagal break. Hey, fellow stuck not do me a favor and make sure that you're subscribed or following this podcast. Um, after you give the subscribe or the follow button a little press, you will get immediate access to every episode as it comes out right away. Uh, your subscription goes a long way. It shows these platforms, whatever one that you're on, that this is worth subscribing to and it'll help me to reach uh, someone else that needs to hear this stuff. Diana goes on to say in her email to me, she says, Today, as my own therapist and I were looking at my depression in light of polyvagal theory, she was brainstorming ways to bring me back up the ladder, thinking through things I could do to re-regulate. However, I noticed lots of resistance to this. I was recognizing in myself a desire to stay in that shutdown space. We tried exploring what makes me want to stay there, but overall, I'm not really sure. I was wondering if you had insight into this. Diana goes on to say more, but I'm going to pause here and I want to talk about this. We're going to break this down. An impulse maybe has not been met yet. So when we have resistance to climbing the polyvagal ladder, there might be an impulse from our defensive state that we have not quite met yet. I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'll talk about this a little bit more. Uh, accepting shutdown or accepting defensive state activation is different than trying to get out of it. So, we're accepting it versus trying to change it. If you're in a defensive state, that is okay. It's not necessarily a bad thing. If it's dysregulated defensive state, it's not bad. It's just, it is what it is. Ideally, we want to be in a state that is anchored enough in safety to where we can have maybe our stuck state be present or have some defensive activation, but we can tolerate it. That's completely okay. These states are not good or bad by themselves. They simply evolved within us to help us survive. There's no good or bad valuation to them. They might feel more good or more bad. You, might, you, you, you could put it that way, sure. But it, it really, it, it is what it is. It, it's, it's simply true. You do have the state that you're in. That's true. And you can experience that, or you might be able to experience that if you have enough of the safety state activated at the same time. So if you're in a defense, a defensive state, okay, hey, what, whatever. It, it is what it is, and that's okay. Potentially, it is okay. And you could also have more of a, like a fuck it attitude. Fuck it uh, might be fine too. It's the way I look at it, this is like, it's happening anyways. If you can't get yourself out of it, like if you can't do that, okay, well, fuck it. it is what it is. I'm in my defensive state. And this, these are, sometimes this comes up in, in therapy where that person is in, def- in a defensive state. They're acknowledging it and they're like, I can't do anything about it. I'm, I'm trying to anchor myself in safety. I'm, I'm trying to climb my polyvagal ladder. I'm trying to cope or ground myself or self-regulate. And it is just persisting. And at that point where it, it, to me, it's like, okay, hey, it is, it is what it is. We better get some radical acceptance of this right now. And that might actually help us get to the next step. Now, I don't mean it like destroy everything. It's more like, it, I got this. I can do it. It's happening anyways. I might as well embrace this and get to the next step. So that actually might be a little more fight energy in there. But it's it's not like it's out of control. Fuck it, kind of. That's that's not what I'm saying. It's really more like our state's present anyway. There's there's no point in fighting. I, I don't want people fighting their polyvagal state. I think that does not help. I think that's probably going to keep you uh, down your polyvagal ladder more than anything. 
So it's not about fighting the state. It's more about noticing it and accepting it that it is what it is. It is true. That that's just it's just validating that it is there, that you do have these feelings, you do have these thoughts, whatever it is. So not fighting it, it's noticing it and accepting it. That's that's kind of the first step here when it comes to fuck it. And then eventually becoming curious about it and actually experiencing it. Eventually. When we talk about like anchoring and safety or climbing the polyvagal ladder, but I want to to focus more on anchoring and safety. That does not mean that we need to ignore or work against the defensive state that we're in. Quite, Quite the opposite. Honestly, when I am working with clients in therapy, what I try to get them to do is to mindfully notice that they have a stuck defensive state or maybe some activation in that moment. And that's okay. Can we allow it to be there? Can we actually maybe even invite it to be there if we're ready for that? But if it's there, can we, can we allow it to be there and treat it with respect? And then can we also anchor ourselves in safety? It's not about getting rid of the defensive state. It's not about fighting it or ignoring it or minimizing it. It's, it's allowing it to be there while also anchoring in safety. So anchoring does not mean we need to work against it or ignore it. Anchoring safety does not mean you have no defensive state activation. And even climbing to the top of your polyvagal ladder does not necessarily mean that you have no defensive state activation. It just means you're anchored in safety. So whatever defensive state activation you have is not out of control. Being anchored is more like a regulated It's more about being regulated versus dysregulated. Dysregulated defensive state would be like you're actually fighting somebody. A regulated fight energy would would be experienced as power and motivation. So it's it's anchoring and safety means that we're regulated and there might be some defensive state activation there and that's okay. And it actually might be necessary based on what's going on and where you're at in your uh, trauma recovery. What I would recommend to you, dear listeners, is that you don't try to get out of your defensive state. And that's kind of the opposite, I think, of what we hear when it comes to uh, trauma recovery and people that talk about polyvagal theory states and whatnot, is that the goal is somehow to get out of the defensive state. And it's not, that's not the goal. You're in a defensive state for a reason. And you might be stuck in a defensive state for a reason. So fighting against that seems almost disrespectful to me, to yourself. So it's not about trying to get out of your defensive state. It's more about accepting it. It is what it is. Validate yourself. And maybe if you can, normalize it. Give yourself that normalization of like, hey, I, I, I feel this way for a reason. A valid reason. A true reason. It's not made up. So if you can accept it, maybe even normalize it. I'm sorry, if you can validate it and normalize it, that might help you accept it. And then anchor in safety. And then if you can successfully anchor in safety, then uh, return your awareness to that defensive state. But hopefully it'll be more from a mindfully curious anchored state, a regulated state. And if you can do that, then listen to the sensations and the impulses that are under the, uh, the emotion of whatever defensive state that you exist in. And this is where we come back to those impulses. 
acting on the impulse that may be under the feelings that you're going through, the emotions. If you act on the impulse mindfully, that may allow, it probably will allow, some ladder climbing to happen. So that process that I just laid out very briefly, that process is a hell of a lot different than feeling some like depressive shutdown kind of stuff. And then saying, I don't like this, what's wrong with me? I better climb my way out of this and up my polyvagal ladder. I don't, if, if you can do that, cool, go ahead. But uh, I don't think it's that simple. And I think that there might, needs to be some level of, hey, this is just where I'm at. This is simply what I feel and that's okay. It, it is what it is. You don't have to like it. You don't have to like, it's not about that. It's just more about accepting this is where I'm at. This is how I feel. And I probably feel this way for a reason. But to be able to do all this stuff, you do have to be anchored in your safety state first. When it comes to this process that I'm talking about, that I just kind of laid out, building safety anchors is, I designed that for anchoring, for accessing your, uh, your safety state. In BSA, I don't teach you how to feel your defensive state. And it's not about getting rid of it. I don't think I voiced that whatsoever in the, in the course. It's simply about anchoring and safety and building the strength of your safety state. Unstucking defensive states, my other course, or my third course in my, my system, UDS is about actively feeling the defensive state from an anchored safety state. So UDS is for feeling the defensive state actively and then allowing the natural ladder climbing to happen. You can uh, go to my website, justinlmft.com, for more information on my, uh, my courses. Diana wraps it up with saying, I do feel like I want to stay in shutdown, partic particularly when I am there. When I'm not in the shutdown place, I see the benefit of moving into safety. But when I am shut down, I kind of want to be left alone to just be alone and stay in my misery. Again, thank you for your time and work. You're very welcome, Diana who I am, well, the person I'm calling Dana. So what does it mean? Um, and I think a lot of people can echo this. So dear listener, what does it mean to want to stay in shutdown? What does that mean? If you can, if you can uh, understand where Dana's coming from here, what does that mean? Because you, you probably don't want to. I mean, if I asked you, hey, do you want to exist in shutdown for the rest of your life? That You'd, you'd be like, no, I, I don't. But when you're in that state, it might feel like a want. You might feel like you want to stay there. So I want to kind of switch things up here. Let's change how we're, let's kind of reframe uh, what, what want is. Wanting might indicate that the, the body has a natural pull toward being in shutdown, but toward uh, some impulses of being in shutdown. That's what I mean. And then coming out when ready. So that the want might be you're in shutdown and your body has some sort of shutdown impulses that it needs to complete. And then it'll come out and climb the polyvagal ladder as it's ready to. And with shutdown, it'll be a slower process. Such as, and actually Diana said this, uh, wanting to be left alone. That's very much a shutdown thing. I think in flight and fight, you also, you need space and you want to be alone, but there's a different feel to it. It's, this all has... Is very much dependent on the feel of it. In shutdown, there's it's like an empty, heavy wanting to be left alone, isolating. 
With flight and fight, I think it's more, there's more energy to it. There's more aggression or anxiety to it. In shutdown, it's, it's just an emptiness. So yeah, wanting to be left alone, that's very much a shutdown impulse, I would say. It could also be wanting to be in situations that are of lower stimulation. So if you're in a shutdown state, you're probably not going to have an impulse to go to a concert. You're probably not going to have an impulse to go on a hot air balloon. I don't know why that popped in my mind, but I don't think you'll have that. Oh, it's because I was watching America's Funniest Videos and somebody was uh, in a hot air balloon. But again, I don't know why that popped in my mind right now. From a shutdown state, you probably would have an impulse to be uh, immobile or still or just kind of exist at a slower pace. You're probably not going to get into a, uh, a race car and do some laps, I would assume. You, I think you need some flight by energy for that. The goal here when it comes to uh, these impulses of your safety, of your um, defensive state, sorry. The goal here is that we want to listen to those impulses without judgment. And it's, it's not easy. And these impulses are kind of tucked underneath our thoughts and our emotions and even underneath our sensations that we can consciously attune to. So these impulses are uh, potentially buried pretty deep. But we want to be able to listen to these, these wants or these impulses, I would call them, without judging them, which means you have to be anchored in your safety state, of course. So to further clarify this reframe, rather than saying I want, rather than saying I want, maybe it's my body needs. And that, that means you pretty much have to be anchored in your safety state and then come from a perspective that is more uh, of a witnessing, a third person observation of what your body needs. Now you and your body are one and the same, I would say. So we're kind of doing a splitting here, which I'm not excited about, but conceptually it makes sense. There, so this is more of a third person observing and witnessing. Not full on curiosity and delving into your state, but just taking a step back metaphorically and noticing what's actually happening, that I do feel this way. I do have this impulse to be alone. I do have this impulse to be in lower stimulation. Maybe that means darkness. Now, if you could do that, then you could go to the direct experience. If you can come from the third person, I mean, from a witnessing, then you can go to the direct experience once you're anchored in safety. And then you can feel what that want is. You can feel the impulse within you. Once again, unstuck in defensive states, I have designed, I've built it for feeling the defensive state. And then eventually, yes, part of the UDS is getting to what does my impulse say? Or what, is, what does my body want as far as the, the impulse goes? From my defensive state, what is the impulse? What's the action that my body needs to go through? Or maybe the context. This might mean like you're changing the uh, environment that you're around or that you're in. Like for a shutdown in particular, if you, you probably would do better with lower stimulation. Hey, fellow Stucknut, I have a nifty gifty for you. Uh, when you sign up for my email list experience, it is not just an email list. It is not just ads. It is an experience. I share a couple of embarrassing stories with you, including how I uh, completely botched a session and refunded it. I share some uh, quick tips with you, like anchoring in your safety state and being able to, uh, to do so quickly. 
But I also have opportunities for you to sign up for within my email, my larger email list. There's these sequences you can sign up for to learn more about polyvocal theory or anchoring and safety or even feeling your defensive state. So you just got to sign up for my email list. And when you do, I will give you something called the polyvagal checklist right away. It has all the essentials of the polyvagal theory. Um, all of these things are super easily accessible through my polyvagal 101 course, but I created a checklist for you for your own research. Cause I know that you're actively looking into these things. And so just as you're learning, just check off. I understand what the vagal break is. I understand what behavioral adaptations are. I understand this, I understand that. Just go through the checklist, mark it off, and you're good to go. So go to justinlmft.com slash polyvagal checklist. Again, justinlmft.com slash polyvagal checklist. I will have a link for you in the description. Thank you for listening, though, fellow Stucknot. I do hope this episode has been a helpful resource for you in your process of learning and applying the polyvagal theory to your trauma relief. This podcast is not therapy, not intended to be therapy or be a replacement for therapy. Nothing in this creates or indicates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek for one in your area if you are experiencing mental health symptoms. Nothing in this podcast should be construed to be specific life advice. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only. More resources are available in the description of this episode and at the footer of justinlmft.com.